How often do you have trouble listening to someone, even when they're speaking directly to you, like your mind is somewhere else? <laughs> What's that? I I'm, I'm usually. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> Welcome to Working Code. And now your hosts, none of whom have ever seen a failing unit test, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 115. And on today's show, we're going to talk about self-care when you're working in the tech industry. And I think we have a few interesting things to say about that. But as usual, first, we'll start with our triumphs and fails. And Tim, why don't you go first? Well, you know, I had a really good run of triumphs lately. So I think it's only fair, you know, just so I don't make you guys look bad. (laughs) Law of averages, right? (laughs) Yeah, that I'm going with a fail. And so my fail this week is that I just cannot grok AWS Lambda. I've tried. I spent a significant portion of the day yesterday trying to figure out how to do a specific. I can do the hello world examples and all those kind of simple things. That's that's not a problem. And it's spent a lot of time today. So my use case that I'm trying to do is we have a really old FTP server. We're trying to get rid of it. And we don't really want to do it ourselves because we don't like opening those ports up to the world and things like that. So Amazon has something called the AWS transfer family. <laughs> transfer family? Transfer family. It, it is not witness protection program <laughs> where they transfer you to a, to a little Illinois town and hide your name. It's basically, they call it a, you know, a, it's a hosted FTP provider. And so I initially went through, did the SFTP Got that figured out. I mean, the hardest thing with I find with AWS is figuring out the roles and the IAM permissions. But once I've got past that for this stuff, I was very easily able to set up an SFTP server. But it doesn't use just a basic username and password. It, you have to send a, a public key. And I know that this is, I'm, I'm setting this up for some of our customers so they can go grab automated reports, basically some spreadsheets and C- CSV files. And I know that some of them, they're just so far behind the curve that there's no way they're going to be able to, you know, gr- you know, understand how to use a public key and pass mm-hmm. that in and grab it. And so there is an option for FTPS, which is basically you're using your SSL certificate uh, to do the encryption. It's just basic. It's just FTP, normal FTP, but it's encrypted using the, the certificate. But to do that, you have to use either you have to set up a, a Active Directory server on AWS, or you can use a custom identity service and one of them is using a lambda and the lambda seems like the least expensive because you know lambdas only charge you when they run but spending the whole day trying to figure out sample scripts tutorials i just like i could not figure it out at all and so i just gave up and said my, my final solution was if a customer can't figure out how to use a public key to do sftp then my answer to them is, you set up your own FTP server, and I will send you the file. Yeah, that, that seems, seems like totally the easier fair. way to do it. But yeah, I felt I mean, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the there's there's a bunch of different things, right? You could you guys could have a shared S3 bucket that you both have separate keys for, and you could write the file in. They could read it out, and there's a bunch of different. Trust ways me, they if they can't figure S3. out FTP, they're not going to figure out S3. Well, a lot of FTP clients have. S3 protocol support. 
Yeah. Are they so automating can, it or are they just like... They're automating it. So okay. that's yeah. that's the thing, right? So they're going to have to have someone go in and change their code. They're not grabbing... I mean, they're not grabbing like, you know, Wins SCP and download CyberDuck or like that mm-hmm. and doing that. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. They're, they're automating so it automatically comes down. I just know they're not... And I know because we've run into this before. They're like, oh, we don't know how to do this. And yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I have a client. I don't want to name names, but one of our customers, they're, they use Oracle Warden. as their, they use, <laughs> nope, that's not it. They're not, they're not actually one of our customers for, for this product that I'm talking about. They use Oracle as their primary database for their, their stuff. And the guy, like they have a really small, it's a small school. They have a very small IT department. And the guy who works on the integrations with us just doesn't really know anything other than the database. So, mm. you know, we're like, okay, you know, hit the API and we'll generate a file and then you can download the file and, and import that into your database. Because that's that's the easy version of the, you know, like at first we were hit the API and we'll send you back the JSON data of, of what you're interested in. And he's like, how do I do that from Oracle? <laughs> and, <laughs> the only thing he knows is Oracle. Right. <clears throat> and, and so... What we came up with was like, okay, we'll, we'll give you a URL. You hit that. Well, actually, I think what we're doing now is we just run it daily. And like, it's, it's a batch export. And we write a new file to S3 for him every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a job on Oracle that will connect to S3 and download the data and import it into their database or whatever. And it's just like, this is why we can't have nice things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you told <laughs> about our Lord and Savior PostgreSQL? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. But, I mean, in good news, I'll kind of follow up on something I talked about in a previous episode. You know, I was talking about the, my SMS work workaround that I was working on where I was getting blocked by prohibitive. I care like 47% of like a thousand SMS messages were getting stopped for yeah. prohibited by carrier. So finally got everything worked around and today I was checking the numbers and it's like, a, so I sent over 1200 SMS from one client all in one big burst. And then I repeatedly went through the ones that got blocked. It was like 70 something got blocked. And then by the end of the day, once I got them all sent, like five got blocked and that's, that's an acceptable good. number. So very happy that my little, uh, my little cheat code worked out. So, so you're spreading it around a couple of different phone numbers. Yeah. About centers. 15 phone numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a complaint actually just this morning from Twilio that someone was using our two-factor authentication workflow to spam phone numbers. Really? So, so like you would go in, I think they, would be, they were signing up for an account and then as part of the setup process, they had to set up two-factor two authentication and you can put in, you know, any phone number and then they send you a confirmation code and then you verify that it's your phone number. And this one user was just putting in like, all kinds of people's phone numbers. Wow. Which, Why? which like, I don't, yeah. Because all it does Harassment. is send them a six-digit code. You're like, what's the point? Is it is it literally just malicious? Like, it's not even like you're trying to take advantage of somebody. You're just trying to spend our Twilio money or something. Maybe, and, well, yeah, I was going to say, maybe, they're, maybe they have a grudge against you guys and it's trying to just burn through your Twilio budget. It's such a, and, and, it, and it, like the volume wasn't high enough where it was some bot that was doing it, or maybe it was a bot, but it wasn't like, it was it like a couple of thousand messages, bot. but it wasn't like hundreds of thousands of messages or something. I don't know. People are just, right. they're just, ah, oh, the worst. Whenever I wanted a good laugh, I go through my logs and look through, because this is an automated 
message that we're sending. Basically, we're saying, hey, your policy is about to, your insurance policy is about to cancel, make a payment. And they will like write back, like they think a human being actually mm. sent them <laughs> and be like, they'd be like, hey, so I lost my job on Thursday and I don't get paid. I'm a new one. I mean, they're writing a whole book about their life. <laughs> I'm like, seriously, you really think someone's going to reply to this? Oh man, that's pretty funny. I need um, to, I need to hook up Chat GBT to it and just have a, a whole conversation <laughs> with them. Go back to the Lambda stuff for a second and and feeling dumb about it. I I don't know anything about Lambda, but I was in a call the other day at work and one of the guys on the call, very very bright guy, he's part of kind of the platform team, or he's kind of like an honorary member of the platform team. He does a lot of foundational work on our systems. And uh, someone asked him, like, oh, what kind of stuff should I put in Lambda? And he was just flat out, nothing. Don't put anything in (laughs) Lambda. He's like, you will regret it eventually. Just build a service that we can manage. Mm. And I don't know what that is based on. Other than he's a Yeah, he's a very bright guy. And he's very typically very measured in his responses. So when he says something like that, I sort of stand up and, and listen. Yeah. I mean, then on the other hand, Brian Kloss, who we had on the show, you know, right. who's an AWS genius, he, he's all about that. He's like, yeah, I'll just oh, yeah. code it in Lambda. You know, you don't want to get charged when it runs. So we have dozens of Lambdas and I love them. In what? AWS? Yeah. See, Ad can figure out. Now I really feel stupid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you trying to say here? <laughs> oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's me, Ben. How about you? After I insulted, I, I was gonna, Adam. I was gonna offer to help you, but now not anymore, man. <laughs> I'm gonna go with a triumph, and it's it's still, it's something particularly special. But I've spent the week scanning our S3 bucket, looking for objects that shouldn't be there. As as I've mentioned, I think in previous episodes, we've had a large cost cutting initiative happening at work, trying to find EC2 instances that we can spin down test databases that no one's using anymore. All this, all these things that, you know, for better or worse, at one point when you're a venture-backed company, people just stop caring about where they're throwing money sometimes. And they're just like, where, grow, 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 grow. That's all we care about. Where did you so, meet the Avengers? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> the Avengers backed your company? Oh. <laughs> <sighs> So I've been tasked with looking through our S3 bucket and and scanning it, trying to find objects that don't have corresponding records in our database, since pretty much every object that lives in our S3 buckets is referenced by some sort of database record. But it's it's an interesting thing because what I want to do is find objects that shouldn't be there. So I can't start at the database and say, hey, show me all the things that shouldn't be there because the database has no record of those. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have to literally go key by key and say, what format is this key in and figure out what type of entity it corresponds to in the database and then parse out maybe like the database identifier or else, however else we're doing the cor- correlation and then go to the database and look for that thing. And if it's not supposed to be there, I need to, I'm logging it right now. I'm not actually deleting anything, but uh, I don't know. It's just been a lot of fun. It's, it sounds like an interesting challenge and I can't help but throw an idea at you. Yeah, please. If you, if you so. 
I think you could potentially go the other direction. I think you could start at the database and say, like, it, it entirely depends on how you use your data mm-hmm. to generate the S3 key name. Let, let's say there's a lot of primary whole. keys that map to objects. Sure. But like, you know, if you, if you, if it's just the primary key, but then there's like, depending on what table it in, it might, it, it might yes. be in yes. other buckets or whatever. But in theory, if you could look at the database and know, okay, this file should exist, then you could take, you know, that's just a string. Mm-hmm. And so you could generate a list of all of those strings and throw them into a Redis set, right? Hmm. And then you can do the same thing on S3, get a list of all the keys and throw them into a Redis set. Well, it's getting the list of all the keys is, is part of the challenge just because there's, we oh, have, yeah, so sure we have like, like four have billions of petabytes more. of data, which yeah, I, that's a number so big, I don't even understand what it means. It's just yeah. all smoke and mirrors to me. Yeah. But yeah. So, so part of the problem is that I, I, I look at S3 like it's a directory structure because you mm-hmm. can format it like it's a directory structure. It's like all objects of this type have this same key prefix and all objects of, of this type have this same key prefix. And it looks like you're drilling down through directories. But my understanding is that's all it's just a flat. facade. Yeah. It's just a giant key value pair where yep. the key is the entire path to the object you're trying to reference. And they yep. just, they, you know, make it look like you actually have directories. So to scan essentially the the listing of objects, you tell Amazon, start with this key prefix and then give me the next thousand keys. Mm-hmm. And you can't, I don't have a good idea of how that could be parallelized because every worker essentially needs to pick up where the last worker left off. So if you have anything running in parallel, it's like, Mm-hmm. chaos trying to figure out where you should pick up next so yeah you would ha- you would want to break it down into partitions right so like each folder you know you, it would sort of just be its own process and that process would be responsible for yeah that so that's folders data yeah that's more or less how i have it i have a bunch of key prefixes that roughly map to different database tables roughly because like you know it's a 10 year old application every table is slightly different logic and i can run those in parallel but they're all running essentially single threaded looking at the at the at the keys in order but there's i mean i have we have hundreds of millions of records that we need to validate or i should say we have hundreds of millions of objects in i think we man, do we have a trillion objects i don't know we have like some like again just like a stupid amount of data just sitting yep. there and i'm sure that a lot of it can be deleted so now it's just trying to narrow it down so as a cautionary tale, if your company is walking down the same path that Envision did, you need to set up a, a automatic cleanup policy. Like if it if it doesn't get its timestamp mm-hmm. updated within you know a year, then it gets deleted or something, or you move it to to Glacier or something, or at least yeah. cost less. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, and that's that is. Huh. That's like such an ongoing discussion at work because the idea of this tiered pricing storage gets so fuzzy when all of a sudden you could have a user that hasn't logged in in seven years and then they could just log in and start looking at their stuff. And we'd either have to lock them out and then maybe they'd have to go through an unlocking period where like, okay, I need to get back into my account. Okay, we need up to 12 hours to unlock your account so that everything comes out of Glacier because I think Glacier is like, four to eight hours of, of recent restoration time, something like yeah. that. So it's, it's one of those, it's like you want to be able to snap your fingers and just make it happen. But so many of these things become both an engineering and a product question. 
And, and that usually, that's usually a dead end for us because for, for whatever reason, solutions that require two departments almost never happen. Yeah. It's easier to just keep throwing money into the fire pit. Yeah. Can't confirm. <laughs> so anyway, that's just been a lot of fun. It, it just, it's been a nice, almost like a mental break because it's a very different type of work that I've been doing lately. So I've been having a lot of fun. Well, before you pass the mic, I wanted yeah. to ask you here, it's been several weeks since we've talked about your final project on the legacy platform. I think the last time we talked about it, you were saying that. So you this were gonna... is the final, final project, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dot final dot V2 dot PSD. Right. I was going to say, you know, you, you said that was, you were going to miss your deadline by a couple of days, which was a good thing because you had estimated it a lot farther than you, yeah, yeah, a lot farther out, out than you normally do. So I so, just wanted to check in, like where, what's going on. Yeah, I appreciate the check-in. So that is kind of a, in a holding pattern right now because the, the technical parts are done and now it, it's more of a process and legal question about, because it's about data deletion. So it's, it's, are there any policies that we're, we need to adhere to? Are there communications that need to be sent out? What expectations are there from the customer? And that stuff just takes a long time. So is that because the legacy platform is actually being shuttered or are they just separate efforts? It's, I don't even know if I could answer. I mean, I don't okay. even know why. I thought we we basically had the go-ahead for all this. I think there's just so many people working on so many different things that that they all just like, it's like whack-a-mole with information. You try to get information, someone gives you a little bit of information and they pop down and go back to their old stuff and you got to get more information and it's, it's I, I don't know. It's, you know, after our reduction in force, I keep liking to say that because it sounds so much more diplomatic. We just, we have not enough people doing way too much stuff. And so mm. it's, it's a little bit hard to keep everybody above water. Gotcha. So yeah, so the S3 scanning now is, is become my main focus. Then I'll go back to the data deletion stuff afterwards. Isn't the S3 scanning also for data deletion It's also purposes? data deletion. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But, but yeah. You can do reconnaissance now. You'll, you'll take your, your troop action once you've got the reconnaissance done. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Okay. All right, so and, that's and me. And this is, this is the final, final thing. So after that, you'll be doing something on the new platform? That's what, that's what people tell me. That's okay. what people tell me. <laughs> I've been invited to a couple of stand-ups on other teams, you know, chumming the water, getting... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so interesting, right? So sorry, if I could just side quest for a second. Please. I have talked many, many episodes ago. I have very strong feelings about what I think a pull request lifecycle should be like. I think pull requests should be created and then closed out in a very, very quick succession on, on my team, the rainbow team, which is basically just me now and, and basically one other honorary guy who's kind enough to stick around and do my pull reviews. My pull it's requests. one and a half colors. Yeah, yeah. Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> we, when we have a pull request ready to go, we pop into Slack and we adhere the channel. Like there's no sense of this is the guy doing pull requests this week. Everybody is on pull request duty all the time. And I've been now added to a couple of other team channels and that's not how they do it. And uh, I feel like that's going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> we have a culture difference. Yeah, that's going to be like, the, of all the adjustments, that's going to, I think, be the, the toughest adjustment is that that cadence of, I'm done with my code, get into production, go, 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 go. Yeah. But we'll see. Maybe they're doing that, but it's more behind the scenes instead of publicly in the team channel. Gotcha. So, okay, that's me. 
triumph. <laughs> officially over. <laughs> officially, officially end of triumph. And I'm passing it over to Adam. You, How are you, you don't doing, have buddy? A, a triumph final, final V2. <laughs> hey. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I also am going with the triumph this week. I, I'm going to say it's a triumph, I guess. <laughs> through it's so it kind of happened to me a little bit and then i saw it happening and i just decided to pile on right so through that set of circumstances i ended up having several doctor's appointments this week i have more we're recording on thursday i have another one tomorrow and some of those doctor appointments resulted in referrals to yet more doctors who i won't see this week but you know whatever and so actually you know this is Another one of our great for radio moments, but my co-hosts will notice that I am not drinking a Mountain Dew tonight. What is that? A, um, is that a Pepsi Clear? <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I miss Pepsi Clear. That was such a good beverage. I was so mad when they got rid of is it. That a Zima. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the main ingredient in in Mountain Dew. It's called yeah. water. Oh <laughs> yeah. So dihydrohydride dihydrogen dihydrogen monoxide. There you go. Yeah. Yes. So where do I want to start? So the I, I mentioned the, the water thing. I have long battled my addiction with caffeine and with Mountain Dew. And I, I've known for a long time, when I say a long time, I guess what I really mean is like five-ish years that I have ADHD. It was never diagnosed. It was just sort of like, you know, it became obvious to me once I learned by having two kids with ADHD and having to go through their diagnosing process, it became obvious to me that I have ADHD as well and have for my entire life. And and then a lot of things started to like click into place, right? Like using the caffeine to control my ADHD so that I can focus, so that I can deal with stress, that sort of thing. And so I've had this contentious relationship with it for a very long time. And there was a day not long ago where I drank most of a 12 pack of Mountain Dews in one day, like 10 Ooh, yeah. in a single day. And it, like, I've always known, okay, a lot is a lot and, and don't push it too far. But that was sort of a like, holy crap. You know, I didn't feel too bad about it when, when I was having like six in a day. When a 12 pack lasts me two days, like, okay, that's, you know, that's a lot, but it's not like crazy. And when I drank almost an entire 12 pack in one day, I was like, okay, this is getting out of hand and so i decided at that point like okay i need to do something about this and then like the next day i was like wait a minute you know i the reason i'm sure there's there's a, a habitual and addiction related reason component as well but the underlying reason is i'm using this to deal with chemical imbalance in my brain and so let me talk to my doctor about my adhd and see if i can get medication to treat my adhd or you know whatever it's going to be if I can treat my ADHD in whatever way makes sense, then maybe it will become easier for me to kick the habit of drinking way too much soda. So I did, I talked to her about that. And when I told her that I almost drank an entire 12 pack of Mountain Dew in one day, she just about fell out of her chair. <laughs> um, I, I was like, do you need CPR? The, yeah. So she, she instantly agreed like, okay, that's definitely too much. That's like dangerous levels of caffeine, let alone, you know, I mean, I drink diet, so there's no sugar, but still like, I'm, I'm sure that there's all kinds of other negative effects when you're drinking at that scale. <laughs> it's a problem of scale now. <laughs> and so, you know, we did the questionnaire. It's clear that I have ADHD. I wasn't surprised about that. And we, we did, tried a couple or we discussed a couple of different options and, and she put me on a medication, which I took the first one this morning. And so I've been trying to cut back today, just see how it goes, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to drink it because I feel like I need it, not because of the habit or 
you know, that sort of thing. And I, th- I don't have a, a, I didn't think to, to track it until like three quarters of the way through the day. So I don't have the exact number, but I would guess that I've got about four in me today, which All is right. a, a big step down. Depletion. Yeah. Now I'll, I will admit I have one on my desk. It's not open here. It's a, you know, it's an emergency. It's taunting you. Glass. It's taunting you. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's just, it's just there in case I needed to get through the podcast and talking to you dweebs. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that I've got that going on. Right. So I saw my primary care doctor same day. I saw my gastroenterologist to follow up on a colonoscopy I had recently for my IBD. I have my appointment tomorrow is with my rheumatologist. It just so happens that I have an appointment tomorrow as like a regular checkup, but I also have an issue that I need to bring up with him while I'm there. So I have an autoimmune disease. That's why I see him. And my last injection that I gave myself didn't really seem to help. So I think that there's a possibility we're going to be changing my drug, which could line up nicely. Like there's a, there's a couple of medications that my gastroenterologist would like, would have liked to try me on, but they wouldn't, it would be like two different medications in the same category. You can't have mm-hmm. two. And so, you know, I'm going to kind of try to sort of bring those two teams together and see if we can kill two birds with one stone sort of thing. What else went going on this week? So I had about, I think I mentioned last week or or the week before that my eyes have been bothering me. And so I went out and did an eye exam and I do need glasses. It's like the smallest possible prescription in both categories, right? So they, they gave me a quarter diopter for focusing and a quarter of whatever they call it for a, an astigmatism, no cataracts or anything like that. But and, and so I'm waiting for my glasses to come in. And there was a point today that I, I don't know what happened, but my screens started to get kind of fuzzy in the middle of the day today. Mm. So I, I turned my screen resolution down. I was like, you know, turning up the text size in the browser is one thing, but, uh, you know, then all of the the Chrome around the windows, everything, all, all of the native stuff stays small, right? It's only turning up browser contents when you increase the font size. So I had to turn down my resolution, which was a little weird, but made it through and things are better now. I think it was just like a temporary thing. Anyway, so I've got that going on. What else is on my list here? Uh, I, I think the only other thing is whatever comes That's out of like my talking my grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm only 40. God. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, you know, I, I've, I'm also a heavy procrastinator, right? So like I mentioned, I do these at-home injections for my autoimmune disease, right? And so because I do at-home injections, I have sharps containers at home to put the needles in when I'm done with them. Well, I've kind of bounced around trying to find a medication that's going to work for me for a long time that's also effective and whatever. And all these different medications that you try, you know, it's like you can only get it through one company. So and it's by mail. So they send you the thing and you get set up on their program and they're like, okay, we're going to send you a sharps container to put your needles in. And then, you know, when you when it's full, you know, you will send you another one and you can send the the full one back in the, the box that we ship your empty one in. And that sounds great, except if you have to switch medications before it's full, then you you don't get that opportunity. And everybody has a different size sharps container. And so now, as a result of this, I have like six full sharps containers on the floor of my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like an OSHA violation. Yeah, it does. And so I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to do with that. I, I think the plan is I'm going to call my local fire department and be like, here's the situation. Somebody told me that I could call you and, and you might be able to help me out. Like if you can't take it off my hands, maybe you can tell me who can sort of th- situation. It's a good idea. And 
that's been on my to-do list for like six months and I just, you know, it's, it's not on fire. So I haven't been able to get to it yet. That's kind of the way my brain works. Well, I have to say, well, two things. One, I very much had that same, how much water do you drink conversation? The very first gym I joined as an adult, I, I got a free fitness evaluation and we did like a little nutritional thing. And, and I remember them asking how much water I drank. And I was like, well, I drink a lot of Diet Coke. And they were like, yeah, okay. But like, how much other water do you drink? I'm like, mm, I drink a lot of Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, yeah, but like when you're not drinking Diet Coke, what do you drink? I'm like, yeah, Diet Coke pretty much in between yeah. the servings of Diet Coke. And he was not excited about that. But, but, I, but I wanted to say that I think the friction of talking to an individual on a phone in order to make an appointment is like far and away the biggest hurdle for me when it comes to keeping my physician related appointments in check. I I almost wish I had a, like, like a medical pal or someone like, like when I was a kid, my mom just made all my appointments for me. She just told me when it was time to go and I went and it wasn't so bad. The idea of having to talk to someone to schedule appointment is so painful that I wish someone could just do that part for me. And then I would stay on top of everything. Oh, I love mm. So there's certain things like when I get blood work regularly for different reasons or whatever, like you can make those appointments online. I love it. Oh, it's the best. The occasional doctor will allow you to make appointments online. Or I've had, I had a therapist in the past who would like to schedule over text. That was great too. Nice. One problem though, is what I have discovered, even with the doctors who allow appointments to be made online, you go and you pick the doctor and then you pick time and and it'd be like oh their first appointments in seven weeks and then if you Mm -hmm. call up the office and ask for an appointment they're like oh yeah how about this friday so there's there's some like disconnect between what they have online and what they actually have available and i don't know if that's a, a technology gap or if it's intentional to sort of space out and leave room for for people who have maybe more urgent matters i don't know gotta get these doctors on calendly So it sounds like we almost have a topic here about like self-care Imagine for developers. That. <laughs> huh. Shocking. What a coincidence. <laughs> what a coincidence. Well, before we get into that, I guess a brief programming note. So last week, we ended the episode with a game of two truths and a lie. And one of the things that we neglected to mention as part of that was the deadline for when you need to get your answers in. And so we've decided that you're going to have to get your answers submitted by 7 p.m. U.S. Eastern on February the 23rd, which is the day after this episode becomes available because we will be recording on the 23rd at 7 p.m. U.S. Eastern. So we need your answers by then so that we can figure out who won, declared our champions of truth, and send you your, what did I say, horsefly testicles? (laughs) No. No. Something off off the merch store. A fistful of mayonnaise. (laughs) that's a different that's a different show anyway yeah so get your in the show notes i'll make sure it ends up in the show notes for this episode as well in the show notes for this for this and the previous episode on our website you know find it somewhere there's a a link to the it's a google form where you can submit your your answers and get those in we will declare a winner i guess (laughs) cool so self-care for developers so I, I want to ask this to you, Adam. It, it seems to me there is a disproportionate number of people with ADHD in like the programming skills. I would agree. I don't know why that is. I, you agree? Yeah. yeah. I, it seems like there's a lot. I mean, most, there's a lot of people at our, at our company that, you know, are on 
ADHD medicines. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet I can explain why, if that would be helpful. Well, I, I don't really care about the why right oh, now. We fine. can talk about that later. I'm curious. What I want to know is, is so how did you, you talked about like you discovered it when you were like diagnosing your kids. What is it? Because mm-hmm. sometimes I think maybe I am. Sure. So yeah, like when I was growing up, there was no such thing as ADHD. We were just bad kids, right? (laughs) Like uh, our our parents would get mad at us because we we wouldn't focus on what they wanted us to focus on. They you know they called us like hyperactive sometimes, like because if you if you are fidgety and you can't stop moving, like my one of my kids. So there's there's two different types of ADHD. There is impulse control, and there is, oh, of course, now that I'm on the spot, I can't think of it. Is it so the impulse control and, and hyperactivity sort of go together? And then there's like focus. So I, I, I'm doing my best. I'm married to a therapist. Oh, I know good. a lot about this, but I'm not an expert. Sorry. That's so, what your experience. Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of people think ADHD means you can't focus on anything, which is close enough to get you wrong, but 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 not right, right? So people will say things like, my kid can sit and play video games for four hours. So he can't have ADHD. And that is like the exact wrong thing. The The thing about focus is it has to be like ADHD people, ADHD, ADHD brains can focus only on things that are novel, interesting, urgent, or important. Right. And so if it's not one of those things, if it's not important to me, or if it's not new and exciting, or if it's not on fire, then I it just kind of gets automatically put on the back burner of my brain. And meanwhile, I've got Steam, you know, this the winter sale is going on and and I'm getting games that are on sale or whatever, right? Like whatever, whatever is interesting to me in that moment, I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna focus on that. So the the well, whatever. I'm trying not to answer the first question question, which is why so many people are drawn to this, but maybe, maybe the two go together. So I think that. There's a disproportionate number of people with ADHD who are drawn to programming. So you only want to answer this question because it's interesting to you. So the question I didn't ask. <laughs> well, well played. Wow. Sir. Wow. Okay. I it, see. It, I see. It is occupying a lot of my brain space right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Get that out of your system. Sure. The I think that the, a, a disproportionate number of people are represented with ADHD in the programming communities because one of the characteristics is when something is interesting to you. Oh, um, novel, exciting, then you lock in on it. And uh, like, who among us, that I'm sure that there are some people, but I would say that if you went to any developer conference and asked, you know, raise your hand if you've ever forgotten to eat dinner because you were so wrapped up in a programming thing that you were working on, a side project, a mm-hmm. thing for work, whatever. And, you, you know, you, you look up and all of a sudden six hours have gone by. It, it's 1230 at night. You forgot to eat dinner. You have to go to the bathroom really bad. And it's all just because you were so excited about what you were working on, right? Like that is a classic sign of ADHD. And I think that it's because the the work is interesting and and it it meshes well with the, what ADHD brains are good at. Mm, and if you write bad code, things are constantly on fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's constantly novel too, because you're always coming yeah. up with better solutions to things and, and being able to rework or rethink the way things work. So it's, it's like there's always a next level, a next boss to beat, so to Absolutely. speak. Absolutely. Yeah. So what was the, the question that I didn't answer? So how do you, what are the identify? So if I were a person who was sitting and thinking, you know, do I have it? Maybe I have it. 
people, you know, my son the other day goes, I think you got undiagnosed ADHD. <laughs> and I'm like, really? No one's ever told me that before. So, I mean, what would, what do you look for to maybe see, hey, yeah. maybe you need to go talk to a doctor? Yeah, I, I'm sure it's easy to Google. There's a questionnaire and it's only like six or seven questions that you can ask yourself. And it's like, you know, how, how true is this statement about you on a scale from like never to constantly, right? And the questions on there are like, um, how much do you fidget like with your hands or feet? Are you the type of person that just cannot stop bouncing your foot on the floor or, or fidgeting with crap off of your desk in your hands? I have, a, I have that to a small degree. Or are you a heavy procrastinator, right? Do you feel like you just can't stop procrastinating? That's what I was talking about. Like you just can't focus on things because they're not urgent, right? Like I, I struggled a lot with procrastination in school because it wasn't urgent and it wasn't interesting, right? Like who cares about reading Chaucer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not me, apparently. So, yeah. So, yeah, I would say if anybody thinks that they might have ADHD, Google it. Google like an ADHD questionnaire and and you ask yourself the questions and based on, you know, you do your best to answer honestly. Based on where your answers fall, it'll tell you you do or don't show likelihood for it. Um, and I would make sure you Google for the adult questionnaire. Should we do this right now? Go for it. Let's I'm, do it. Yeah. I'm looking at one right now. I'm going to. Okay, well, you've, you've got it up in front of you. You ask the uh, questions yeah. and we'll all answer. All right. Yeah, all right. Let's see how long this is. It's pretty long, actually. Really? Well, it's the probably, one probably like, 20, like 20, 20 questions. Well, all right. Just, we'll Go get ahead. a flavor. We'll get a flavor. How often do you have difficulty sustaining your attention while doing something for work, school, a hobby, or fun activity, e.g. remaining focused during lectures, lengthy reading, or conversations? Never, rarely, sometimes, or often. I th- I, for me, I think... If I'm alone, rarely my concentration is very good. If if like my wife is around, that's much more challenging. I'd say rarely. Okay. Uh, my, for me, that's like a sometimes to always. Like when I'm trying to read something or if I'm trying to pay attention in a meeting, I, sometimes something will happen. Oh, well, right. Fuck. Something catches my eye. You know, I'm like squirrel. <laughs> and and I, I, I catch myself four or five times a meeting thinking about a tangent and I'm, I go, wait a minute. I just missed three sentences because I was, I was paying attention and that caused me to have a thought. And I'm like, I'm trying to expand on those ideas and see where that leads because it could be useful information. But in the meantime, I'm missing things. So I have to like consciously redirect Mm -hmm. myself to go back and pay attention to the meeting. Okay. How often do you avoid dislike or reluctant to engage in tasks that require sustained mental effort or thought? So yeah, do you avoid things that will require you to think deeply? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, some sometimes. But I think for me, that's more about how interesting is it. If it's interesting, I can do it. If yeah. it's not interesting, then I'm ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How often do you have trouble listening to someone, even when they're speaking directly to you, like your mind is somewhere else? <laughs> What's that? I I'm, I'm usually. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> I rarely. I. I yeah. That's rarely for me. My kryptonite, though, is if we're in a meeting and someone, for lack of a better phrase, is it like slips into marketing speak mm-hmm. and they're just talking about, just, I, I don't even know what they're talking about, but they're using a lot of marketing lingo. I bingo. cannot pay attention. If yeah, I'm staring at them and like watching their mouth move, I, I still can't pay attention. It's just. I just can't do it. How often do you forget to do something you do all the time, such as missing an appointment or paying a bill? Never. That's like my, that's my superpower is, is consistency. 
See, I wouldn't remember it. to get out of bed if I didn't have my calendar to remind me. <laughs> wow. I have, I'm pulling up my alarms on my phone because I have many alarms throughout the day. So, <laughs> wow. Oh my I have goodness. one to, to get up in the morning. That's it. <laughs> I, I have alarms. Well, I mean, some of them are recurring things and like not for my own benefit, right? Like, so I have one in the evening to remind my kids to take their meds. I have one to remind me to take the, po- or for the podcast when we record. I, I see. Have, I put those in my to-do app. And yeah. then it's like a recurring to do. It, well, so, but the thing is, I need the alarm because I need it to be like, I need it in to be, to, to come get me, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, with it in my to-do app, I might not think to look at yeah. it at the appropriate moment. Like if I yeah, look at yeah, my to-do yeah. app 20 minutes before the meeting, that might not be good enough. So, How often do you lose or misplace or damage something that's necessary in order to get things done? E.g. your phone, eyeglasses, paperwork, wallet, keys, etc.? Never. So for me, not so much that, except I think that this, what this one is getting at is like a little bit of clumsiness, right? Mm-hmm. And I do, you know, I'm a computer guy, but at the same time, I also like to work with my hands. Like I do the woodworking. I've, I've considered myself a handy person and I have my wood shop and I am constantly hurting my hands. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just a little, just a tiniest little bit careless, you know, mm. turning or whatever. And so like I swing my hands into things or knock things over or hurt my hands, not like on a, a spinning saw blade, but, you know, just like bumping into Thank stuff. God. Yeah. yeah. And occasionally like I will back into something. I'm also a tall yeah. and wide person. So I, I take up yeah. a lot of space. So, I mean, my eyeglasses, I put them down and I cannot find them, but that's because I can't see to find my glasses. <laughs> What about I, when they're on top of your head, and, be, and because and because I have bifocals now, it's like I, ha- I take it. I don't even. I'm, I'm going to get my eyes checked, and I'm not going to get bifocals again because they're absolutely worthless. I never actually used the bifocal function at the bottom because it's like uncomfortable to like point your head in the direction to look at it. Mm-hmm. I always wind up just taking them off and setting them down. That's why I lose them. So I'm just getting regular glasses next time. It's not worth the extra money. I don't. I don't know if this is a generational thing, but I cannot relate to people who don't know where their phone is. My phone is in my pocket. Oh, I always know where my phone is. (laughs) When people don't have their phone on them or it's ringing and they don't know where it is, I'm like, what what world are you living in where you don't know where your phone is? Like, how do you randomly look up celebrity net worths? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) How, How often do you have difficulty waiting your turn, such as waiting in line? No, for me, not not really. I mean, I might have struggled with that one as a kid, but it out, outgrown the, the problem or something. I can't. Self-checkout drives me nuts because I sit oh, really? there and watch people. Oh, yeah. Try, I mean, it's like, this should not be taking you so long. How in the world? Because like, <laughs> you, very you, look at the self-check, you look at this, this self-checkout and you make a bet. You're like, this person only has a certain amount. Yeah. They don't look like they're going to be using multiple forms of payment and they look relatively intelligent enough to like scan stuff correctly. And then you get behind them and they are a complete moron. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying here. I know that. That just drives me. Maybe that's ADHD, but maybe it's just I'm just a terrible person and I hate people. There's nothing wrong with hating people. Uh, I feel like the <laughs> most of the places that I go to that have self-checkout either don't have the volume where it's a problem where you have to wait in line, or if they do have a line, they use like the English system where it's one line for all of the registers yeah, yeah. and you just take the next available one. You queue up. Mm. Yeah. Queue oh, up, the, yeah. The thing that drives me crazy though is that a lot of checkouts will have a 12 items or less sign posted and yeah. there is inevitably that person who just has their entire shopping cart and just mm-hmm. doesn't want to deal yep. with people. 
(sighs) (laughs) (laughs) How often do you feel like you're on the go acting as if you're driven by a motor, e.g. you're unable to be or uncomfortable being still for an extended period of time, such as in a restaurant or a meeting? Yeah. So that's the thing where I was talking about where you bounce your foot or you're Mm -hmm. playing with crap off your desk. So one of my kids has this real bad. Like I, I challenged him at dinner tonight to not say or make mouth noises for two minutes and this was difficult for him <laughs> mouth noises <laughs> like laughing or, yeah, or yeah. you know like, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever like trying to to make a point making noises that aren't words or whatever i was like just like just be silent for two minutes can you do that <laughs> how do you feel restless like you want to get out and do something yeah for me i would say that's a sometimes How often do you fidget or tap your hands, feet, or squirm in your seat? Constantly. I'm constantly worried (laughs) that the noises of the things that I'm playing with at my desk here while we record the podcast are going to come through. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, I I think, okay, I feel better now. I don't think I have it. So I'm just just a jerk. (laughs) You have problems sitting through a movie? Me? Not if it's a good movie. Hmm. Like I'm trying to think of one that I've turned off. I, nothing's well, I don't think there's anything wrong with turning off a bad movie yeah but like but my yeah, dad no, like, my dad could not sit through a movie yeah no my mom is the same way she just doesn't have the patience to sit and watch a whole movie and I like movies I love movies so much well that was interesting okay so what what about you makes your kid think that you might have ADHD so we were doing I was I was we were both in a meeting together and we had like responsibility for like it was a zoom meeting and we were like hosting the zoom meeting and while i was doing i had to just constantly be messy to be honest i was just bored with the meeting the the meeting didn't really have any content that i found exciting so i was finding stuff to do on like we're both at computers so like i'm at a computer let me mess around and he's like yeah do you have undiagnosed adhd (laughs) like i don't don't think so i just wish the speaker was more exciting Mm. Okay, so it wasn't that the window was organized wrong. You weren't no. like trying to, you know. I was installing. I was doing stuff that needed to be done on the computer. I'm like, sure. well, if if I'm not, you know, entertained by what's going on now, let me just go ahead and do some necessary maintenance on this computer here. Yo, I think, it? It, I think that in some cases, productivity can be a disease. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I feel like we are so trained to try and squeeze value out of every second that we're awake that it's, it feels wrong to take five minutes to do nothing. Yo, I, I do feel compelled to listen to podcasts for, kind of along those lines, though. I, if I'm, say, out walking the dog, yeah, I, I can't just be with the dog and listening to the sounds of the birds and the trees. I feel like, oh, this is 20 minutes. I could be learning something new mm-hmm. about technology or listening to the news or something. I feel like I'm, I'm missing that opportunity. It's a missing and opportunity, I, yeah. And I don't like that. I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. Yeah. Every now and then, I, I'm with you. I, I consume a lot of media through my ears, right? Yeah. So very rarely I will listen to a YouTube video without watching it. Like, so, um, this week I've been getting into agile materials. And so I listened to the scrum guide and it's not like I I searched audible. I have an audible membership and I was like, well, maybe it's on there. I don't, I had no idea how short it was. It is very short. It's like, you know, five pages or something like that. So I was like, well, you know, maybe somebody read it on YouTube or something like that. I did. I just Googled or I searched for the scrum guide on 
YouTube and and there was like somebody just sat there and like read it as if it was an audiobook and there were comments under it that was like as a blind developer thank you so much and I, I was like that's awesome that's great and and I was able to just you know hit play and put the put my phone in my pocket and do other stuff and it's like cool now I know a little bit more about agile and you know I listened to a lot of audiobooks and podcasts and stuff on uh, on dog walks and driving and in the shower and it hurts me. Like it's great that I get to consume all this information. I, I feel like it helps me be productive, right? Like I, I'm accomplishing more things that I actually want to do than I would be able to if I wasn't doing them in the shower and driving, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm further accomplishing more by listening at you know 1.5, 2x, sometimes 2.5x. How you do that? I, I you just I have to train yourself. You start yeah. by listening at like 1.2, and yeah. and then when that sounds so, what you do. Actually, pro tip, if you want to get into speed listening, mm. crank it up a little bit at a time. I and mean, when I say at a time, like listen to it for 10 seconds. If you can still understand what they're saying, crank it up more. If you can still understand, crank it up more. So go to 1.3, 1.5, 1.8, whatever, until you can't understand it. And then go down by like two steps, right? And then listen to that for like 10 minutes and then crank it up. Just start cranking it up again and, until you can't understand. And you'll find you'll be able to get faster you'll be able to listen to it faster because your brain develops like a a familiarity with the voice or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you're listening to and so you you develop this skill of being able to listen to it faster and faster and now if i try to go and listen to an episode of syntax on one x it sounds like they're drunk because so painful (laughs) so painful all right so i mean so we talked about adhd what are some other things that is we need to do as developers. I mean, as people right. for self care. So the two things that stand out to me that are obvious are we sit in a chair for a, a mm. ridiculously unhealthy amount of time. So trying to switch between standing, walking, sitting would be healthy. So I have a standing, a, a sit stand adjustable desk, which I really like, and then taking care of your eyes. Right. So taking opportunities to relax and sit in a dark room with your eyes closed or go for a walk and look look at things that are far away is supposed to be good for your eyes. And then, you mm-hmm. know, stay on top of your eye exams and, and get corrective lenses if you need them. Yeah, I mean, one thing I've been doing lately, just because I've realized since, you know, working from home since the start of the pandemic, it's like I really have not had a lot of movement, <laughs> is to put my wireless earphones in, Bluetooth on my phone. And if there's a, a meeting, because like, People, it's like lately no one ever turns their camera on. Mm-hmm. So I put my phone in my back pocket. I join my team's meeting, have my wireless earphones in, and then I pace the house. Mm-hmm. I just, I just pace while the meeting's going on. Um, and that's, I do have a fair amount of meetings from time to time. So that, that kind of helps me get up and get around rather than just sitting in a chair all the time. That's a really good idea. I was just watching a video review of a desk bike. So I, I'm sure mm-hmm. everyone's seen desk treadmills mm-hmm. for standing desks, but. It's like this a Peloton a, with a keyboard or? It's, it's like if you could take a bike and sort of cut it in half and only have the seat and the pedals, it was, it was kind of like that. And it was on it's wheels. A unicycle? It, well, it was, it was stationary, and, but it was on <laughs> wheels and so it, it had like chair wheels on the bottom so you could roll it in and out from under the desk. I don't think I want to walk because I have flat feet and walk it is oftentimes yeah. So it, not it's made to go thing. under a desk? So it's like a recumbent bike? No, it's a seated bike, but you'd have to have a desk that raises up a bit. Okay, because you know, yeah. you're a little bit elevated. But I'm curious to try something like that, like just. A I've slow heard people say pedal. good things about like the treadmill under the desk. My thing is, 
I, I would still kind of like the idea of being able to type. And I can't imagine that I could walk and type at the same time. It sounds like something you would have to work at. Yeah. 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 And at, um, after I have a doctor's visit coming up to make sure that everything with my recent surgery is okay, but I'm going to get back to going on this. So I have a stand up at 11, which I schedule for an hour, but it's only usually 10 minutes and getting on the treadmill for 30 minutes. So for 30 minutes a day of just some high impact exercise, you know, is for a person my age is very helpful because mm. it's like <laughs> I'm not overweight, but my, you know, I've gotten a lot softer in the middle. <laughs> so <laughs> I keep having to buy bigger belts and I don't like that. So yeah. Hopefully that can, I can get back to that. That, that little, little exercise every day would be helpful. And then I go get a shower. So it's the social aspect of it for me that always feels like the, the, the highest barrier to entry. Uh, meaning aspect that. Of what? Uh, like between work and dealing with the dog and being married and having set meal times it's like there's if i wanted to carve out just another half hour in the day for me to just do some stationary biking i'm sure i could do it but that it feels like then i'd have to you're taking it away from run somebody. it by somebody yeah, yeah exactly yeah well yeah i mean that's oh man ben don't have kids uh, <laughs> wait, when you have kids, it's like opening a new chapter in your life where your life is no longer about what you want. It is. Well, so I, I mentioned in the triumphs and fails that I, I have been recently added to some standups on other teams. Yeah. And uh, one, two teams are just about to merge. And so they had a, a standup and everyone was going around doing introductions. And the guy running it was like, why don't everybody go around and talk about where they live and what kind of hobbies they have? And two different people on the call were like, I had a baby eight months ago, so I don't have any hobbies anymore. (laughs) (laughs) My life is feeding this thing and wiping its butt. And I try to sleep when it's asleep. Exactly. Uh, Hey, trust me, when they get teenagers, you know, hopefully it's usually gets better. It's a lot better. It gets it gets better. Yeah. But that first 20 years. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for sure. For it's sure. technically only like, uh, you know, maybe 15 years till they become, you know, tw- yeah. 12 to 15 years, depending on the kid, till they become like, you know, fun to hang out with <laughs> yeah. and you're not doing what they want to do, but it feels like 20 or 30 years sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would say, so, you know, I think many of our listeners, they're working remotely as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm struggling with this now. I really don't have a good answer. I do not spend a whole lot of time with people other than people in my house. Mm. Yeah, I'm feeling that. And you guys. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> this podcast is like uh, you guys and then all, so everyone else is physically I don't spend a lot of time with anybody other than my my immediate family. Virtually like like you guys and we have our you know, you know role playing group on Tuesday. But other than that it's like I don't get a whole lot of other people time. Um, Yo. And I recently moved away from a city center or I, I was at least closer to a city center and I have moved farther yeah. into the country. And every now and then I'll go to meetup.com and be like, where's the closest web development meetup or any kind of technology meetup? And it's like, closest thing is two and a half hours Ow. away. And you're like, exactly. oh, yeah. killing me. I got to I gotta find another social group of people I have like nothing in common with. Start doing like hot yoga and you'll be the, the one guy there or something. And but what's not, it's like, I don't really even know if I want to. It's like, 
if I can get if I can get away with not leaving the house for and this is not me. I don't know. I guess the pandemic, like, just it made staying at home like a virtue. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just keep holding on to that. Well, this, <laughs> yeah. this is what I say to my wife all the time is I'd be like, I want to be the kind of person who wants to do that stuff. Yeah. And it's that's like that weird difference between the image I have of me and the actual me. And there's, there's this conflict. It was funny. That was me. I was the guy who like create, you know, we had a meetup group, like a, we'd do monthly meetings and programming stuff. And I would create groups like and bring people in. But now it's like, uh, I can't be bothered. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's changed. It's the pandemic. It's just changed my mindset about like creating opportunities to socialize. It's, it's become, it's given me, I don't know if it's gave me an excuse to say, no, we're not, I, I don't want to do that because it's not safe. I, I, I don't really know. I, I want to get back to being that person, but I don't know how to get there. Yeah. I, I've been working from home for 10 years and change. Actually, it'll be 11 years in less than a month. And yeah, that I struggled for the first several years, like just constant cabin fever. I would go out and I like noon was great because all the, the, places near my house that were receptive to having somebody come in and work there for the day were bars. And so you can't get in before noon, right? Or you can go to like <laughs> McDonald's, but it's cold and the Wi-Fi sucks. And right. So we don't have like a Starbucks near me or anything. That's how far out in the country I live. So the closest something like that would be like a Panera that's like 30 minute drive from my house. So it's just not worth it. Anyway, so I would uh, you know work half a day from home and then I would like at lunchtime, I would pick up and move and I would grab lunch on my way and and work the rest of the day from a bar or something just to the change of scenery, having people moving around me, you know, just felt better. And after a while, I don't know if it was when the, our business really took off or whatever. I just, something about being busy and like, it was just easier to stay home. Mm -hmm. Right. But I, I totally get you on the needing something social. And I would say if anybody is struggling with that hobbies right so find find a hobby that's a social hobby for me that tends to be skydiving you mm-hmm. know i try to go yeah. every couple of weeks and i go and i hang out with a bunch of people <clears throat> and there are things about it that are not particularly covid safe now we're all vaccinated and we try to you know wear masks and do the right thing but at the end of the day we're taking five people and cramming them into a sardine can and throwing it into the air right like you're going to be in close quarters you're just going to have a certain amount of trust and and Part of that is trust in your vaccine. Part of it is trust in your fellow humans. Anyway, that was a more political than I meant it to be. Sorry. I don't think it was. Okay. Yeah, but hobbies, I think, are crucial. If you're feeling, you know, socially depressed, like you're not, there's a part that's missing because now that you're not going to the office or whatever, then that to me, that seems like the, the choice. And, and it could be yeah. like my wife volunteers at a local animal rescue and she goes in and, you know, like walks dogs and helps take care of them, groom them or whatever. Um, and it's just like once a week for like a couple of hours and they're like, a, she loves dogs. So it's great. You know, she, that, that alone would be worth it to her. But then like, there's a whole bunch of people there that like, that's the only way she knows them. And so it's just this other little social group. When we moved out here to the country, I thought that the dog was going to be my, my social lifeline and there was a dog park. And so we started taking the dog to the park on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday morning. And nothing against these people, but it was all, it was all like retirees mm-hmm. and, and they were <laughs> terribly nice, but it's just like, I wanted, I was hoping to meet a somewhat younger crowd. Right. Yeah. 
somebody you would want to hang out with on the weekends. Yeah, yeah. You know, someone that might be beyond the the, the fence of the dog park. Okay. Well, else we want to squeeze in here before we wrap it up? We've I've talked about this before on previous episodes, but I live and die by structure. And mm. it's very important for me that I start work at the same time every day and that I end work at the same time every day. And I don't have incidents in the middle of the night and or not. I lunch is flexible for me in terms of when it is because of various meetings. If I do it at 11, it's fine. If I do it at two, it's fine. I don't really care, but I take a full hour lunch Mm -hmm. and there are days sometimes when I'm actually really excited about the work that I'm doing and I'm tempted to not take lunch. And then I remind myself that I have to do it. And every time I step away from the desk, it feels great. And so that's, I, I have to have structure. I can't not do that. Yeah. So this is a callback to something we talked about a little earlier. I mean, also, yes, structure. That's the only way I got through school. I got really good grades thanks to my mom who put in some good systems for me to be able to focus and be organized and turn in the assignments that I did rather than just like leave them in the bottom of my backpack. The uh, But we talked about consuming a lot of content, listening to it on one and a half, two speed, whatever. The problem with that, I've noticed and you probably have noticed too as a listener of this podcast, is that <laughs> my brain and my mouth are always going way faster than most people are ready to hear. <laughs> and so I, I consciously have to slow myself down and choose to speak slower. And it's very difficult for me to do. So I apologize. And I thank you for putting up with me. <laughs> I, I think you do better than me because I I was listening to, I just did it right now. I, I tend to stammer sometimes, right? We all do. I'll stop, yeah. back up. Yeah. And I'm like, I listen to myself. Like, Is that really what I sound like? And at, my son stammers and like, it annoys me. And then I listen to myself. I'm like, oh my God, he got it from me. Yeah. <laughs> I learned it from you. My son is a car. My son is a six foot four carbon copy of me. Yep. So, yep. All right. Well, I guess we're going to go record our after show. Let's see. Before we do that, we have a a brief, small, whatever announcement. So we actually know what we're going to do next week as of this recording. So we figured rather than waiting 30 seconds before the show, (laughs) we figured we could tease it. We're going to have a guest next week. Some of you might know him, Brian Rinaldi will be joining us to talk about developer conferences, what's going on in, in that industry. So he's deeply ingrained in running and attending and speaking at developer conferences. And he wrote an interesting article about it. And so we thought we'd have him on and have a talk about it. We may also discuss some Cold Fusion. He is a longtime Cold Fusion developer, just throwing <laughs> it out there. And Flex. It's but Flex is dead. <laughs> cool. So this episode of Working Code was brought to you by Adderall and listeners like you. <laughs> consult your doctor if you need to have Adderall Uh, actually it's apparently it's really hard to get I'm not on Adderall because there's shortages and stuff and she was like it's not worth Mm. the headache right now just try this other thing so anyway cocaine (laughs) I'm not even going to touch that one if you're enjoying the show and you want to make sure that we can keep putting more of whatever this was out into the universe then you should consider supporting us on Patreon patrons cover our recording and editing costs and we couldn't do this every week without them Thank you all so much. Special thanks, of course, to our top patrons, Monty and Giancarlo. You guys rock. If you want to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash workingcodepod. Your homework this week, we want you to come join us in Discord. Go to workingcode.dev slash Discord. It's a great way to network, great way to meet other like-minded people who want to have a social aspect about their life that's not just staying home and talking to the people that they live with. (laughs) Uh, It's funny you say that. I heard someone on our 
Discord channel describe to one of their coworkers that workingcode.dev Discord was like developer support group. Yep. That's nice. Absolutely. I like that. That was that was one of the ways I was thinking about the podcast itself before mm-hmm. before we started it. So yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that it's become that. So that's going to do it for us this week. We'll catch you next week and until then. Remember your heart matters even if you can't remember what you did 10 seconds ago. <laughs> You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.